Our scripture passage today comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Before we read this, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Good and heavenly Father, Lord, you have given us your holy word to teach us, to guide us, and to instruct us. But Father, we know we cannot understand these things you have written here unless the same spirit that inspired these words would inspire us now. And so, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit move in our hearts and our minds. Lord, that you open our hearts and minds to your truth, to your revealed wonders. And then in this moment, we may read, we may hear, and we may understand. Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was uh, growing up, I was always taught that the way to create wealth or to, to make money, the best way to do that was to work hard and to save. And if you did that, that was the surest, quickest, best way to, to make money and to create wealth. You got to work hard. You got to save it. You got to budget wisely. And if you, you put the money away in a savings account, you'll even get a little bit of interest on top of it. If you work hard and you save, that's the way to make money. That's the way to create wealth. It was actually a surprise to me a little bit later when I learned that was actually not the best way to make money and create wealth. The working hard part, that was, cor that was correct. That's the way you initially make your money. But the best way to create wealth and make money is not to put it away in a savings account. It's to invest it. And once you see the yield you can get from an investment, that little paltry, what is it, uh, point like oh one percent you get your yield on your savings account you're like oh man i can make a lot more on this if i invested in the right way and that's the way to really grow your wealth you work hard and instead of putting it in a savings account you invest it right and that's where the real money comes in that's when your money starts to grow you start to get some real good interest and then you get this thing called compound interest which is interest on top of your interest and your money really starts growing at that point and if you want to know why the rich get richer, that is why the rich get richer. They've got the money to invest and to really start to grow wealth. And if you have enough money to invest, you can make money faster than you could ever working hard. Or at least the kind of jobs I always get. That is the way to really increase your wealth by investing wisely. But investment it comes hard for a lot of people 
Because what you're asking, you're asked to do an investment is take the money you have now and don't spend it, don't use it, don't even put it away in a safe place. You're going to give it to somebody else with the hope that that money is going to multiply and grow. I right? said, so act of faith. To invest money is an act of faith because it's not a guarantee that your money is going to grow. There's a promise that your money will grow, but there's no guarantee that your money will grow. In fact, you could lose it all. Your money might not grow. It might stay the same, and you might lose everything, every single dime that you've put in that investment. Which is why the first rule of investment is never invest any money that you can't afford to lose. Because you could lose every single bit of it. And even without that, it, it's, it's kind of tough sometimes for us to give up a present good for the potential of a future good. To give up what we have right now in the present for something that's been promised us in the future. But that's something that God asks each, every, each and every one of us. God asks us to give up a present good, to perhaps make a present sacrifice in order that we would invest in eternity. Now, investing in eternity takes a lot of faith. If an investment takes a lot of faith, an investment in eternity takes a whole lot of faith. Now, there's something superior to an eternal investment as opposed to a worldly or a monetary investment. When Jesus told us to store up treasures for heaven, he asked us to invest in eternity. And the good part about that, he says, if you have treasures in heaven, thieves can't steal it, and moths and rust can't destroy it. It's a safe investment. It's never going to be lost. It will always be secure. It's always going to appreciate, and your investment will always be there. Now, the danger or perhaps the risk of this investment is that you'll never see it in this life. You're never going to see the yield of your investment in this present life. And that's a tough investment to make. I mean, it's hard enough to invest our money when we know we're going to give it away and we're not going to maybe see the yield 20, maybe 30 years down the road. But now we're asked to make an investment, and there's that little nagging doubt in us that says, you might not even see it at all. We're not only taking faith that this investment will yield in the future, we're taking a faith that this investment even exists. Which means that to make this investment, you have to live by faith. That's what we're, we're talking about over the series of Lent. We're talking about living by faith and what it means to live by faith. And when we say live by faith, that means taking what it is you believe, these things that we say and profess to believe, and turning it into the action of our life. So faith is the guiding force in your life. Your faith in Jesus Christ is going to be the guiding force of your life. And we contrast that with living with faith. See, living with faith means you believe all these creeds, all these things we say about Jesus and God and the Scriptures, but it makes no impact on your life. It doesn't change how you live. It doesn't change how you think. It doesn't change how you treat others. But living by faith means these things we believe about God, about what Jesus has done, 
is going to make an impact on your life. In the last week, we talked about the belief that, that God is real and that God is the Lord. He's the Lord alone, and He is the great God. He's the number one in the universe. So if you take that belief and you translate that into life, to living by faith, it means you put God first. If God really is first in the universe, then He will become first in your life. And today we're going to talk about the belief of eternal life. This belief that you and I have been given eternal life by Christ Jesus. It's a faith that, that when we die, is not the end for us. That when we die, our souls and our spirits go up to be with God forever. And they, and they wait with the Lord until the day of the last judgment where the dead will be raised again to new life. And we will live with the Lord forever in the new heaven and new earth. It's a promise that Jesus made. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And again, he promised us when he said, because I live, you also will live. So if we, we have this faith that we have eternal life, that Jesus has given us eternal life, and if we're going to live by that faith, we're going to make it a part of our lives to live by this faith in eternal life. We're going to live knowing that whatever this world can give us is not our final good. Whatever can happen to us in the world is not the end of what's going to happen to us. That our real treasure, our real treasure is not the treasure on earth, but it's a treasure in heaven. And if we're going to live by this faith, we're going to live our lives very, very differently. See, this life that we're, we live in the flesh, we live, we're going to live this life in the flesh like everybody has to, right? We've got to live in this world. And it, and it requires we do certain things. We've got to get a job. We've got to pay our bills. We've got to build a house. We've got to get food and clothing and, and take care of our kids and, and pay our insurance premiums and get our car fixed. And, and these are things that we have to do. But as we live this life in the flesh, we're also making an investment in eternity. So all of our effort is not doing the things that this life is required to just uphold and sustain life. It's also investing in eternity. And that means doing things that, that make no sense to the world. It means doing things that do not profit us at all right now. And when the world sees us, it, it makes no sense to the world because it doesn't profit us. We don't gain from it. We don't get anything out of these things that we do. But in fact, what we're doing is we're seeking to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, making an investment in eternity. Now, that's kind of a confusing phrase you know, treasures in heaven. Because what exactly are these treasures in heaven and how do we store up treasures in heaven? Now, a, a heavenly treasure is not like a worldly treasure, right? When we talk about worldly treasures, it's gold and silver and money and property and, 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 it, and it's stuff like that. But when we talk about heavenly treasures, it's not the same thing. It's, but it's something that has value, but it doesn't have earthly value. It's something that has heavenly value. It's something that has 
eternal value. Now, I can't sit right here and tell you exactly what these heavenly treasures are, all right, because I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I think we, that's why the Bible just kind of equates it with, with gold or with silver. But if, if you read the New Testament, there's all these promises, all these promises of this eternal treasure. Um, sometimes Paul talks about it as getting a crown, like we, we receive these crowns from God. Um, sometimes we hear it being talked about as the riches of faith or, or the riches of grace or, or some sort of spiritual riches that, that, that we get when we pass from this life to the next. And like I said, I can't really tell you exactly what these are because I don't know what they are. And sometimes people will mistake these, these riches as being uh, salvation, but this is, we're not talking about salvation. Because right? salvation is the free gift of God the grace through Jesus Christ. It's our eternal life and our forgiveness of sins that we do not earn, but given us through the work and through the grace of Jesus Christ. So these eternal treasures, these heavenly treasures, it's not salvation. And I know what some of you are thinking. If I've got eternal life and I'm living in heaven with God forever, what else can you give me? I mean, what else is there? Am I going to want any other treasure? Am I going to long for anything else when I'm living with God forever in heaven? And I, so I can't tell you what this treasure is. All I can tell you is that God has promised us this. And Jesus has told us to work for it. And if you think once you have eternal life and you're living in heaven with God forever, that God can't give you anything else that's equal or greater than that, then maybe you're not trusting God's imagination. Because I think God can bless us in ways that we can't even imagine we can ask for. But Jesus tells us, work and store up yourself treasures in heaven. Invest in eternity. So how do we do this? How do we store up ourselves, for ourselves, treasures in heaven? Well, that's the easy part. Well, it's easy to tell you what it is, not necessarily do it. We store up for ourselves treasures in heaven by good works. That's how we store up treasures in heaven, by being obedient, by being faithful. We do it through works of charity and kindness and missions. We do it by worshiping God, by studying, by praying, by our devotions, by our fasting. All these kind of things, these are good works, and they glorify God, and they show and share the love of God with others. And when God sees us do them, sees His children engaging in these good works, it delights His heart. God delights in seeing His children act like His children. And by so doing, we store up for ourselves heavenly treasures, and we invest in eternity. Now, there, there's some people that are hearing this right now, and it gives them this kind of uneasy feeling. Okay, because it makes it sound like that we're engaged in a mercenary affair, right? We're only doing these good things so we get a profit later, like we're engaged in some business transaction with God. And we shouldn't be doing good things because we get something out of it, right? We do it good because it's good, because we're good people, and, or we try to be good people, and good people do good things. All I can tell you is that the Bible is full of these promises. He's doing good works and storing up treasures in heaven. And Jesus tells us to do this. Store up yourselves 
treasures in heaven. And I will tell you this, if we believe in doing these good things, and we believe that these things are truly good, then it only makes sense that it will produce something good. It only makes sense that something good will come out of these good works that we do. I mean, think for a minute of all these good works we talk about. Faithfulness, piety, devotion, going on mission trips, going out helping the poor, feeding the hungry, kindnesses, forgiveness, mercy. You hate to think that these things have no impact on the world. They have no impact whatsoever on the lives of people and even on our lives. See, the fact is a matter, they do have an impact on the world. They actually impact eternity. And we all hate it when some good work we do goes unrecognized or, or it goes unappreciated. Right? When we go do something good for a person and then they don't even recognize it, right? They don't even notice it. Kind of hurts our feelings, doesn't it? Kind of feel like an injustice has been done, that we've gone through this effort to do something good, and it goes completely unrecognized. But the fact of the matter is, it is recognized. Your Father who heaven, who sees in secret, sees these things that we do, and Jesus said, He will reward you in secret. That's why Jesus said, when you give, don't give and make a big show out of it. Because if you do that, you've already got your reward. Your reward is all your good reputation of people saying, oh, man, what a nice guy he is, giving all that money. Jesus said, give in secret. And why does he tell us give in secret? He says, because your father who sees in secret, he'll be the one to reward you. He said, when you fast, don't, don't fast in public. Because if you fast and make a big show of it, then your reward is going to be you've made a big show of it. And everyone can say, oh, what a holy guy he is. Look at him fasting. He's really good. Jesus said, fast in secret. Why? Because your father who sees it in secret, he'll be the one to reward you and not the world. As in work for the reward and for the treasure and the investment of eternity, not for the investment of the world. So if we believe this, if we really believe this, it is going to change the way that you live. If we truly believe that we have eternity for us and truly believe that the things we do here will yield an eternal treasure, it will change the way that we live. If we start looking at what's valuable is not what profits us here, but will profit us in the life to come, it changes the way we live our life, and you'll start doing things that make absolutely no sense to the world. You'll start doing things that the rest of the world will look at as being stupid, as being foolish, or being outright crazy. You're going to start giving to charity and not even want to be recognized for it. You're going to start giving to people who have no capacity to ever pay you back for what you've given you're going to start forgiving people who have hurt you. You're going to start praying for people that hate you. You're going to start humbling yourself before your enemies. 
You're going to stop looking for credit for all the good things that you do. You're going to stop, stop taking revenge against those that have hurt you. You're going to start associating with the outcast and the dirty and the lowly and the rejected. You're going to be laying aside your ambition, instead taking up the cross of Jesus Christ and burdening it upon your shoulders. And these things, they make no sense to the world because they're looking, they're saying, why are you doing this? You're getting a profit. You're giving to somebody that can't give you back. You're just taking a hurt that someone has done to you and you're, just, and you're, and you're taking it upon yourself and thinking no, no chance to pay them back. You're becoming a doormat of the world. Why are you doing these things? Because this is the way we invest in eternity. This is the way we store up our self-treasures in heaven. And, and it's not being a mercenary. It's not being a business-like transaction. Because if all you care about is the profit, then you won't be able to do any of these things. If all you care about is the profit to yourself, then there is no way that you can do the things our Lord requires. But only if you believe in the love of God. Only if you believe in the mercy of Christ can you do these good works. Only if you believe that you were ransomed by the blood of Jesus Christ and the debt that you owe God can never be repaid. Only if you believe that you have received undeserved grace and been given eternal life. It's the only way you can invest in eternity. And I think that's why God doesn't show us heaven first. Anyone else ever thought this before? Like, how come God just doesn't show us heaven? How come he can't just show us now? It would be so much easier for me to live a life of faith if he would just show me what I've got to look forward to. Just one glimpse, just one, and that could fuel me the rest of my life. He doesn't do it on purpose because he doesn't want to be dangling the reward in front of your face. Come on, come on, keep doing good. I've got a great prize for you. Come on, you can do it. Look what I've got waiting for you. Because we can't do these things out of profit. We have to do them out of love. We can't do these things for gain. We have to do them out of the abundance of our hearts. You know, there's a story I heard about a Scottish regiment during World War II that was taking prisoner of war and put in a Japanese internment camp. It was a group of men that were working on the um, working over by the River Kwai. It was, it was a brutal internment camp. It was lots of labor outside, starvation quality type of uh, nutrition they had. And uh, every night, the guards were very careful to count all the equipment they used, especially things like shovels and picks, because they knew that those prisoners could steal these and use these to escape. So every night, they made sure to make a count of this equipment. And one night in this camp, when they were counting the equipment, they found out that one of the shovels was missing. And so the guards of the camp came and lined up all the prisoners. And they said, who's taking the shovel? And when no one stepped forward, one of the guards pulled his pistol out and said, I'm going to start going down this line and shooting every man one at a time until the person who took this shovel will confess. 
And so finally one man stepped forward and he said, I took the shovel. And so the guards went each and picked the shovel up, gathered around them, and they beat him to death as the, guards, as the rest of the prisoners watched. And as they were putting the shovels back, they did another count, and they found out there was no shovel missing, that there was a miscount. The shovel was there the whole time, and so you have to ask, why did this man confess to taking a shovel he didn't take? And it was to save the lives of his fellow prisoners. I don't want to ask you this question. By giving his life for his fellow prisoners, did this man store up for himself treasures in heaven? He absolutely did. He stored up for himself abundant treasures. But could he have done that by an act of calculation? Could he have done that by a cost analysis, a cost-benefit analysis? Was he thinking in his head, you know what, I'll go through a lot of pain, but you know what, I think about this, I'll have a whole lot of treasures in heaven, even though I'm going to die awfully. I'll go ahead and do that. It's going to profit me more. The only thing going through that man's heart at that time was an incredible fear and incredible courage. The only way to do something like that is through tremendous faith. The only thing you can do something like that, the only way you can is through a tremendous love. And is it wrong to think that such an act is rewarded by God? I don't think it's wrong at all. Because the reward is promised us by Jesus. If we invest in eternity, if we store up for ourselves heavenly treasures, it's not an act of calculation. It's an act of faith. It's not an act of selfishness. It's an act of love. It means loving God more than the world. It means loving His promise more than the promise of man. It means believing Jesus Christ more than we believe our own eyes. It's a simple question, really. Do we really believe that there is eternal life waiting for us? Or do we just believe that this is all there is? It's a question of who your heart belongs to. Does it belong to God? Or does it belong to this world? For where your heart is, there your treasure is also. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.